Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 270 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. We're going to be talking about the secret to steady tennis improvements. It's probably not what you think. I'm actually looking forward to this episode very much. Uh, First, I want to give a shout out to JRNMD on iTunes, who uh, left a review of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you so much for that. Appreciate uh, the kind words. Uh, If you've been enjoying these episodes, I'd appreciate a rating and a review of the podcast that helps other people find it on uh, podcast apps and iTunes and and all all over the internet. So thanks for your support uh, by doing that, J-R-N-M-D. Okay, so today we're going to be doing a little bit of story time. Uh, I started a book, and I'm not, I'm not a big reader. I generally I don't have the patience for sitting down and turning pages and reading words. I just, I'm a little bit of a product of, uh, I guess, just newer, newer generation of uh, media consumption. And so I, have a, I generally have a hard time sitting down and reading books. But I've, been, I've started a book this past week that I absolutely will finish. It's very rare for me to finish a book, but this book has been really incredible and given me a lot of insights into elements that I've been definitely discovering along the way as I've been developing my coaching kind of process and and methodology. But this is just really, um, just speaks directly to so many things that I've been discovering and thinking about and coming across kind of intuitively and just really, really crystallizes so many different elements of the improvement process, which of course has been a big focus uh, the last several months here on the podcast. So the book is called Mastery by George Leonard. Relatively short, uh, small book, and just found it absolutely fascinating. It's all about the improvement process and how to get on a journey of mastery. And today I'd like to actually read just one or two pages and, and then we'll, we'll talk about today's topic. Uh, today we're gonna be talking about steady improvements and the, the title of this chapter probably will sound a little confusing within that context. The, the chapter that I'm gonna read just the first page and a half, uh, two pages here for you just to give um, some context and, and insights. The name of the chapter is called Loving the Plateau. The plateau for tennis players, you know, tends to be a sinister place where everything is just kind of level and even and there's no noticeable improvement. Well, uh, and this is like uh, probably a third of the way, maybe a quarter of the way into the book. So we're missing some context here, but um, I want to read just these couple of chapters and I'll fill in the gaps a little bit. So, um, Here's the first page and a half of chapter four of Mastery by George Leonard. Title of this chapter, Loving the Plateau. Early in life, we are urged to study hard so we'll get good grades. We are told to get good grades so that we'll graduate from high school and get into college. We're told to graduate from high school and get into college so that we'll get a good job. We're told to get a good job so that we can buy a house and a car. Again and again, we're told to do one thing only so that we can get something else. 
We spend our lives stretched on an iron rack of contingencies. Contingencies, no question about it, are important. The achievement of goals is also important. But the real juice of life, whether it be sweet or bitter, is to be found not nearly so much in the products of our efforts as in the process of living itself and how it feels to be alive. We're taught in countless ways to value the product, the prize, the climactic moment. But even after we've just caught the winning pass in the Super Bowl, there's always tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. If our life is a good one, a life of mastery, most of it will be spent on the plateau. If not, a large part of it may well be spent in restless, distracted, ultimately self-destructive attempts to escape the plateau. The question remains, where in our upbringing, our schooling, our career, are we explicitly taught to value, to enjoy, even to love the plateau, the long stretches of diligent effort with no seeming progress? Now, he gives a, a short story here, and this will be the last uh, little section that I read before we jump into a couple of my notes. He wrote and said, I was fortunate in my middle years to have found Aikido, a discipline which is a, a martial art, a discipline so difficult and resistant to the quick fix that it showed me the plateau in sharp, bold relief. When I first started, I simply assumed that I would steadily improve. My first plateaus were relatively short, and I could ignore them. After about a year and a half, however, I was forced to rec uh, recognize that I was on a plateau of formidable proportions. This recognition brought a certain shock and disappointment, but somehow I persevered and finally experienced an apparent spurt of learning. The next time my outward progress stopped, I said to myself, oh damn, another plateau. After a few more months, there was another spurt of progress, and then of course, the inevitable plateau. This time, something marvelous happened. I found myself thinking, oh boy, another plateau. Good, I can just stay on it and keep practicing. Sooner or later, there'll be another spurt. It was one of the warmest moments on my journey. Okay, so this gives a little bit of context into the, the path of, of the author and just, just the very introduction uh, into this chapter with the, the concept or the principle of actually enjoying the plateau and focusing on the process instead of being super, super focused and fixated on results and needing that next jump up in, in level. And uh, one more kind of concept that I'm going to describe here, and then I'll, I'll get to my notes. This, this author, uh, George Leonard, gives several different personalities when it comes to improving. And he, he uses uh, an improvement curve, right? if you can kind of imagine kind of a line signifying uh, improvements or, or stagnation, uh, basically a, a line graph. He, he draws the mastery curve, which is a line to the right, and then a bump up, a, a slight decrease, and then a plateau, another line out to the right. And then after a little while, a bump up, a slight decrease from the peak, and then another line out to the right, and so on and so forth. And so he describes that as being the path of mastery. There are long, relatively long plateaus where we're practicing, trying to master whatever the skills are that we're trying to incorporate into the overall discipline. And then frequently out of nowhere, there's a quick improvement, a quick spurt of uh, advancement. 
then a slight decrease, and then another leveling out of improvement. And so he describes... And so he uses that line to illustrate what it should look like to try to master something as complicated and deep and nuanced as Aikido, or in our, in our uh, sake, uh, rather in our example, tennis. And what's really kind of incredible to me is this author opens one of the very first, cha- maybe the first chapter, opens with an example of tennis. And it's, it's a really pretty drawn out example talking about the nuances of learning a stroke and going to a coach and uh, practicing and getting stuck for a while and being frustrated. And as I'm reading through this chapter, frankly, I'm just shaking my head because I cannot believe that I've never heard of this book talked about within the tennis community. I've never heard of this book talked about before, and it's absolutely shocking to me. Uh, other coaches, uh, other players, uh, other you know media, online, you know coaching. I've never ever heard of this book talked about, and I'm so happy that I found it. I, I came across this book uh, from listening to a podcast interview of a swimming coach. So anyway. Uh, so the mastery curve is, is one kind of approach. He describes three other personalities, the dabbler, the obsessive, and the hacker. And I've run across, you know, of course, countless different examples of each of those types of personalities. Uh, the dabbler uh, starts something new frequently, and he or she'll jump in super enthusiastic and have a quick you know, spurt of improvement. And then as soon as they hit their first plateau, they're like, well, I guess this isn't for me. I need to jump to something else. And so they're constantly, with enthusiasm, but going from discipline to discipline because they get disappointed the very first time they hit a plateau. And so they never uh, really achieve much success in anything. It's just very shallow uh, improvement across a lot of different things. And then there's the, uh, the obsessive, somebody who's really focused on the bottom line. It's just all about improvement for this person. And so uh, they'll, they'll pick something up, a discipline like tennis, they'll, they'll have their first spurt of improvement, and as soon as they begin to experience the first parts of a plateau, they kind of panic and freak out and start jumping all around, trying different things. Because, oh man, what's wrong? Like, I, I stopped improving. I, I must need to try a different coach or I need to try a, a different uh, partner. I need to jump to an, another team. I need to go to another club. Uh, I need to learn a different way. Uh, maybe I need a one-handed backhand. So you, you get the idea. And so there's this just this jagged uh, up and down squiggle in the curve of the obsessive as soon as they hit their first plateau. And as a result, they end up kind of burning themselves out uh, with all the jumping around. And then lastly, the last personality is the hacker. This is somebody who uh, has an improvement bump and then a plateau and then another improvement bump. And then the player kind of realizes what's going on and decides that they're just fine where they're at. And so they don't challenge themselves to continue making the breakthroughs. They don't challenge themselves to continue leveling up. They, they're just, they make do with where they're at. And 
for me personally, this is the most common uh, personality among uh, amateur tennis players in general. And I've, I've discussed and described many times on this show about how that's perfectly fine. If you're happy with that, Mazel tov, you know, more, more, more power to you. It's great. Uh, but that person, of course, just needs to be okay with the fact that they will be on a forever plateau. They will not continue to improve. So different journeys there described in, in different lines, different line graphs, different charts of, of improvement. So let's bring this back to the title of this podcast, The Secret to Steady Tennis Improvement. So you might be saying to yourself, well, Ian, you're describing this mastery curve of, of um, working, practicing, training, everything stays level and steady, and then there's a bump up and a slight decrease and then another plateau. And so how is there steady improvement? My, my kind of what I'd like to... Um, suggest to you is that there can be steady improvement, but not micro improvement, only macro improvement. If you look at the big picture, then over a five-year period or a 10-year period, the goal is to see pretty steady improvement from year to year to year. But what is unreasonable to expect is that from day to day, or week to week, or even month to month, that if you work hard, there will always be constant, steady breakthroughs. That just doesn't happen, and it's not, it's not reasonable to think that. If you follow the, uh, the journey of professional players, uh, it's, even, it's, it's the same thing. You'll see that same kind of curve. Of course, it's not the same for everybody, and depending on where you are in your journey, there might be longer plateaus or, or shorter plateaus before you, you hit the next improvement breakthrough. But what's really key here, I feel, is having a realistic outlook and expectation on what this journey looks like. Because if you don't have a healthy understanding of what a reasonable improvement journey looks like, then you'll very, very quickly get frustrated. Uh, just like the, the dabbler and just like the obsessive that I described a second ago. And so the author here is suggesting that we learn to love those periods of time in between the bumps in improvement, love the plateau. And what I like about uh, what, what he kind of described in his martial art journey is that he actually learned to find kind of a, a place of comfort in the plateau. There's a place where he could kind of exhale and say, oh, okay, great. Now I can kind of settle into this level and just focus on the process. And that ultimately, I think, is the key to happiness and content within the context of a journey of trying to master something so deep and complex and nuanced as tennis. And so I think it's important to understand that to a certain degree, the next breakthrough is kind of out of your hands. Yes, you know, you can choose to practice more frequently. You can choose to focus more intensely. Uh, you can choose to use better, more focused training methods. Uh, but assuming that you have kind of a baseline of quality and frequency of, of, of training and coaching and, and practice, then your greatest enjoyment and fulfillment ideally should be in the training itself. And just let the breakthrough come when it comes. If you're super obsessed with the breakthrough, and here's, here's a couple of measurements that tennis players tend to get really hung up on. If you're obsessed over your rating, 
and when you'll get bumped up. If you're obsessed over your win-loss record or which team you're on, moving to the next team, or which partner you get paired with, if those are the things that occupy your, your mind, your mental energy, and those are the things that you're fixated on, please understand that to a large degree, those things are out of your hands. Of course, in a macro sense, you control the, the general direction that you're headed. But from month to month, you can't control whether you're a 3.0 or a 3.5. There are many, 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 many variables going on behind the scenes that you have no control over. Same thing with which team you're on, your win-loss record. You can't even really completely control winning, uh, winning or losing against any particular opponent. Across the other side of the net, there are huge amounts of variables that you have nothing to do with, namely the quality of the, uh, the game that your, your opponent is bringing to the court that day. And so if those are your measurables, if those are in business, we call these KPIs, uh, key performance indicators, if those are the things that you're fixated on, then I'll tell you right now, you're in for a frustrated journey. You're in for a lot of anxiety and heartache and worry that will, frankly, and I've experienced this, could get to the point where it's just not even worth it anymore. Some of you have heard my story. I won't get into it now. But I personally got to a point where it just wasn't worth it. It was during my college uh, playing career because I was so obsessed on the small things instead of the process. So if you're going to obsess over something, make it the quality of your training and the quality of your practice. When that's in place and you're enjoying that part of it and it, and it is at a high level, the big picture will take care of itself. And I'll just kind of wrap up with a final concept or thought or parallel. And that is how analogous this is to match play and match performance. And those of you who have uh, listened to a lot of my episodes on mental toughness, or maybe you're students of our, our program called Mental Tennis Mastery, know that the bigger, more broad your focus is on outcome things, the worse, you'll, the worse you will perform. As soon as you start thinking about the past or the future, aka, wow, I might actually win this match, or, oh man, last time I was in this situation, I totally blew it, I totally choked. Or, man, I, if I don't get this win, then the team is going to lose or whatever. The, the bigger, the broader, more macro your focus is, especially if it's an outcome-related thing, the worse you're going to play, the more anxiety you're going to have, uh, and the more your focus is taken away from the things that really matter, which are the more micro elements that are happening moment to moment to moment. Those are the things that your focus needs to be on. When we focus on and love the process, then the big picture takes care of itself. So the secret to steady tennis improvements is learning to love the plateau, learning to love just being in the moment, on the court, doing the work. If that's where you derive your satisfaction and your enjoyment, improvement's going to happen, assuming that you're following a good uh, a good program, a good path, uh, assuming that you're following good coaching, good training, and you're making good use of your time, the big picture will take care of itself. The, and uh, ironically, the more you fixate on the big picture, 
the more you take your focus off the little things that actually cause the big picture to change and you end up staying stuck. You end up staying on the plateau or actually shooting yourself in the foot and decreasing in quality and decreasing in ability. So highly recommend Mastery by George Leonard. I'm going to continue reading this book. What I just talked to you is just a couple of quick insights uh, from the first four chapters, which is like the first 50, yeah, about the first 50 pages or so. Um, pretty small, relatively short book, about 100, let's see, 176 pages. If you enjoy my approach, if you've enjoyed the content here on the podcast, I really can't uh, recommend this book enough. Uh, I th- <laughs> in chapter three, uh, he kind of gets off into the weeds a little bit with kind of a little social social uh, commentary, which I found actually super interesting. Uh, that might rub some people the wrong way, but uh, nonetheless, I-, I think the the insights that he has uh, about the learning process and instruction and coaching. Uh, granted, I haven't finished the book yet, but I just I love the perspective he's coming from. I love the direction he's coming from. So um, check it out. You can find it on Amazon. I've got zero affiliation uh, with the book or with the author um, who actually um, has has passed away. Uh, I believe in 2010, which is too bad because I would have loved to have him on the podcast. But uh, yeah, check out the book. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. There's nothing more valuable in this life than time. So if you gave me 21, 22 minutes of your time today, thank you so much. Appreciate your support. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, do me a favor, tell somebody about it and leave a review on the podcast app on your phone or on the iTunes music store. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com where you'll find hundreds of video audio and written lessons also be sure to subscribe to essential tennis on itunes and youtube where we are the number one resource in the world providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players thank you so much for listening today take care and good luck with your tennis